This is an SM Media production. And obviously, like this, the 0506 season I just want to touch on because you you get to play with playing a Scotland jersey for the B team. Yeah. What was the memories of that? Just when did you first hear that kind of news? I heard it. Um, <laughs> God, who were we playing? It was Jim Jeffries come up and told me. I was sitting with Boyd eating pre-match. God, it might have been Falkirk away or something we were playing. I can't quite remember. And Jim come up. And he says, in the Scotland B squad, and I was sitting with Boydie, so I was like, oh, well done, Boydie. <laughs> he says, me? He says, I'm in it. And he says, aye, you're in it. Walter Smith was on the phone um, asking about you, blah, blah, blah. He says, so you're in the squad, the twoies are in it. And I was like, oh, wow, amazing. Um, and I was like, where's the game? And I'm like, Rugby Park. And I says, oh, all right, all right, that's why I'm in it then. <laughs> it, was one of, it was one of the, it was amazing. It was a great experience for myself. Gary McDonald, we got in it as well, I think, that one. He was, um, a player I I thought, he was a player I thought was really good, Gary McDonald. Aye, Gary McDonald was a great footballer. Um, really good player and brilliant, absolutely brilliant off the pitch. Great was laugh. Um, aye, brilliant boy. Um, aye, some boy. <laughs> But like, oh, who took the who took the Scotland B team? Was was it was it who was that? It was mean? Walter Smith. Was it Walter? Was it Walter ticket? It, it was Walter Smith and Tommy Burns was assistant. I don't know if it was in. Must have been sort of another coach here as well. But Tommy Burns, Jim Stewart was a goalie coach. Um, so I, I was just a great experience. Obviously, Walter Smith mm-hmm. knew him from a bar. Rangers manager, manager, you know, nine in a row, all these yeah. other things. So you know, just an absolute legend of the game and. Again, I was still, I was like that wee 14 year old schoolboy again with Tommy Burns. Were you still in awe um, of him at that point? Like, I always, I was, I was, I was desperate to ask him if he remembered me um, from then, but I was Aye. too scared. Right. But I didn't, Aye, I didn't ask him. Um, and I don't know if he remembers me or not, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I was, again, it was brilliant. It was a great experience. Got to see a wee inkling of how Walter Smith works. He's yeah. club. Of this group of players to go and play against Poland when we were down at the Marine Highland staying and he, we were training I can't actually remember where we trained but we trained somewhere local and he took us and he says right guys I'm not going to go into too much detail he says right this is a team so mm-hmm. I was I was left back um, he says this is what I want you to do this, the Poland left back so he would stand as if he was a Poland left back with the ball just holding it Yeah. Says, this is what I want us to do this is how I want to be defensively organised this is what ball into middle of the park this is how I want us to be he says that's all I'm going to give you a wee bit about set pieces and that's it he says the other side of the game just go and play yeah. I'm going to sell you've got this opportunity um, go and do the best you can kind of thing so it was really simplistic um, but helpful as well and then we went out and played the game and I actually thought I played a really good game I don't yeah. think I could have made much better if I'm being honest mm-hmm. um, and it was it was a lovely experience for sure Brilliant and just like obviously the, se- the season after that I just want to touch on one game you'll remember quite well the League Cup final you just go to Hamden again but this time it was against Hibs 5-1 defeat 
I've yep. spoke, uh, Peter Levin's been on, Colin Nash has been on as well. They've said how gutting it was for them. Like, what was it? Was it? I imagine it'd been the same for you. But just what was it? Aye, that game. Aye. It was, and again, you're the first cup final. I was fortunate enough to play in probably less aware. I was this one. I was more aware. I was the captain for this cup final yeah. as well, so I felt felt that added pressure that can come with that. That you know, not wanting to let ourselves down or let the fans down or anything like that. Um, and the game just didn't go for us. We didn't start it that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, put big Nashie probably didn't tell you he was, he was marking Rob Jones for their first goal, but he was the marking him. So big Rob <laughs> Jones get into the head on scores and we go down one nil. Um, <laughs> so I I blame big Nashie. Nah, I'm kidding. Uh, so that was you know it was just it's the moments of the game. Yeah, um, were they just a good team? Oh, they were a good team. There's no doubt about that. Um, you think of the players that they had at the time that went on to even bigger things in the game. Yeah. Um, you that had a very good squad. Yeah. They're a good model of playing as well. You know, John Collins was at that point, and um, you know he liked to get the ball down and pass it. And the big pitch obviously helped with that as well. And you know, we just just at the right, the right moments we just didn't quite turn up. You know, yeah. we got to defend at times, and we didn't do that. Um, I blame Jacko actually. I always tell Paul De Giacomo, he says, I blame you. Where's Stevenson get man of the match? He was 14 year old and he got man <laughs> of the match in the left wing against you in Fordy. He says, How could that happen? <laughs> you know, about that one. Um, but I was just, it was, that was a tough one because you're going into that game thinking this is a real opportunity for right. us and to go and win something and being part of the being a young player when we won the cup in '97 was yeah. always always in my head throughout yeah. my career that I want to feel that I want to know what that feels like because mm-hmm. being in the fringes of it was brilliant but mm-hmm. you know actually being on a pitch and being the reason for that happening was was something I was desperate to do definitely and obviously like I know a player who's in here you finished fifth that season but a player I just want to touch on who I imagine will be very you'll be very fond of was Gary Locke like who was you got a Gary Locke story. Uh, just another maniac, absolutely. <laughs> he was. Um, did you, I remember again? We used to train in Glasgow, and his car school was it was him, Nashi, um, for the time, him, Nashi, David Fernandez, and Meditown. <laughs> Meditown, boy, he was, he was an amazing boy. Um, three months in the car with him, the language in Medi when he. <laughs> Changed him, transformed him almost. We Mary couldn't say anything in English without a swear word being included in it because of that. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, and Lockie was, uh, he was a huge personality in the dressing room. Good captain, good guy. Um, really funny. Probably really unfortunate with the kind of again the knee issues that, no. that Lockie had. You know, it really did hinder his career. In fairness to him, but he still managed to to play his bit. Um, and just I just saw the dressing room and everything. He was brilliant, but again, I another another mood man. Used to take pleasure in driving. I remember he came in killing himself laughing at Gascoop one day because he had some some guy who was walking up near the hill road and Lockie's went by in a big puddle and absolutely drenched the boy. <laughs> he thought that's <laughs> okay. That guy could be going to his work or anything. 
he thought it was a great laugh. Um, so I, I was still annoyed. Brilliant. But the 07 08 season, that was probably the season where it kind of goes downhill. He's finished 11th. Like, did you feel you needed a rebuild at that point? Like, or was the, the loss of kind of Boyd and Naismith the kind of big reason for that? Well, that's certainly, you know, when you lose players of that quality over the course of a couple of years, you know, you've seen how many goals Boyd they scored for, for Kelly, but up to that point, you've seen the influence that Stephen had as well mm-hmm. but, with goals and just the other stuff that Naisy brought to the game. He's, you know, he's assists and, you know, it might not be the assist, but he's maybe built everything up and then played it wide and crossed it for somebody else to score, you know, and that's that was such a huge influence. I think Fraser actually got a bad injury that season as well. Yeah. He was out for a week. I think he maybe done his shoulder or something. And again, we lost the solidness of of Big Fraz. Um, so that was, I think Nishi was probably our top goal scorer mm-hmm. that season. I'm not even sure if Nishi, I think I heard bits and bobs of Nishi's thing with you. Know, he'd said himself, he never seen himself as a goal scorer. Yeah. Uh, he did actually take a lot more pleasure in providing goals for people. Yeah. And, and the rest of has never chipped in enough on that side of things as well. So invariably, that means if you're not scoring enough and you're conceding too many, then you're in bother. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, he's been never in like, like fear of relegation, obviously, because Gretna were a bit of a shambles at that point, and I think there was about 25 points of difference. But surely, though, like, it's a big mass. It's just, if it's going down to, like, if you're going down to 11th, they finish in 5th, like, it must be, like, there must be kind of question marks setting in about what's, what's happening behind the scenes. I definitely, and that's, that's understandable, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, again, we just, confidence is such a big thing Aye. for everybody. And, you know, when you're going into games, not sure if you're going to score, not sure if you're not going to concede, rather than being sure in your head, you know, we're going to keep it tight here. Aye. Or somebody's going to nick a goal for us and we'll, we'll come, up the, come up the road with a victory type thing. So mm-hmm. that, that can set in and... No, we worked hard enough. It wasn't through lack of work or effort in the training ground for the manager and the players, but probably just lacked that wee bit of quality yeah. at the right time. Definitely. The season after, though, like uh, Jim Jeffries makes a makes a, a signing in Kevin Kyle. Like he he scores a lot of goals. He's the kind of goal scorer. I think Coman did at that point. Like you got a Kevin Kyle story. What was he like? Hi, Kev is again another good character. Um, Certainly, Nashi actually we would like if you said it was black, he would he was claiming it was white. I don't know, he was just like love the debate, the big guy. Um again brought something different to the table. Best player I've ever seen chesting the ball down. Yeah. You know, all different areas, you know, he was brilliant at it. Um and you know, added a good influence to the team at that point. Um guys like Pis- Manuel Piscali as well. Yeah. Um, Manuel come in, I don't know if it was his, I don't remember when Manuel came into the club. Might have been round about the end or before the end. Probably was, and, You know, and, and Manuel had a really good influence. He was a, again, like Freddie Dindaloo, got right into it, got right into their culture. And was that a good player? A fan. Excellent, aye. Mm-hmm. Really good player. Um, loved defending. Did you know, and yellow card count will tell you that. Um, <laughs> Love defending, he really did. Um, and as I say, a really good, a really good character as well. But I, you know, if, again, it's a lot of times it's just it's getting those right players yeah. in, the players in, and they stay fit. And you know, Kevin did a, a really good job for us. To be fair, mm-hmm. 
Definitely. Just like, obviously, the cold gym, Jeffrey's the jet, like, just how, you know, harsh could he get? Like, just what was the kind of highlights of the time of Jim Jeffries? Oh, aye. I mean, many are, many are a blast for the jet. <laughs> um, and I, they, were, they were definitely a double act, and there was no good cop by cop with them. It was, you know, it was, you could see Billy sometimes he would come in and he'd be the first one to speak, you know, and he'd be given maybe an individual pelters or he'd be given the group pelters and calling people out and you're thinking, right, Jim's going to come in now and be a wee bit calmer. But what it actually used to do, it used to get Jim riled up even more. And that <laughs> he would then come in even higher than Billy. <laughs> no pointing fingers at people and, oh, I just, they were good. You know, they were really good. Um, and I know the, the reputation is this angry man and everything like yeah. that. And they could be angry, of course they could. But they, they set standards and they put yeah. demands in the place. It wasn't anything they were doing themselves. They just wanted you to work as hard as you possibly could um, for that jersey and, you know, put that effort in. Um, you know, and, and they, they did have a softer side to them as well, believe it or not. Brilliant. Obviously, that like, the season after 0910, uh, Jim Jeffries leaves. I don't know if he, he was sacked or resigned. I don't know what happened there. But how did you feel when he left? Were you gutted? I disappointed because I'd spent probably the longest time in my career with, with Jim and Billy and got to know them. They got to know me, obviously. And um, arguably, they kind of get the best years out of me as such. And yeah. particularly that left back position, anyway, if we are. You know they were good for me, and I you're always you're disappointed. Um, of course you are, and I don't think one thing I would say from a player's point of view: often when managers leave or get a sack, if you want to call it, it's because of the players. Right. But that was more down with that was more down with their relationship with the chairman. To right. be honest, the, right. the players the players were with the manager and Billy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Johnston was looking at the club and he was looking to make savings here and there. Gary Locke had been a player. Jim and Billy, I believe, wanted for Gary to stay on and become a coach. Yeah. Uh, they had made some, they'd offered some concessions to do this and make that happen. Thing. And there was just, there was a whole fallout between that, I think, with, with Jim and Billy and the chairman and various other things that players are probably not privy to that just yeah. deteriorated. And that's, when the chairman manager relationship deteriorates the way it does, it's, then it's tough to recover. Inevitable mm-hmm. that's going to happen. So it was it was definitely sad um, to see that. Um, but you know, Jim and Billy could hold their heads up high for their time at Kilmarnock and have the club well. And in the main, we had we'd done really well. Yeah, yeah. And Jim, like, when Jim and Billy leave, like Jim Jimmy Calderwood gets a job, like. How did you feel about Jimmy? And what did you kind of change? Again, didn't know him. Obviously, played against many of his teams and with a reputation. You know, they go down one nil up, then they stick four strikers on and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And, and he did that with other few times as well. And his training was good. Mm-hmm. His training was um, sort of Dutch background to Jimmy, I think, yeah. in regards to the game and how he sees training to be. So there was lots of passing drills, and I was happy with that. I like. I like a good passing drill and he wanted tempo, lots of possession exercises as well. Um, you know, so training was good. You know, you, you were active. There was a kind of tactical element to it as well. Um, he was thorough in his team talks in regards to, the, you know, pre-match games and things like that. So, I, Jimmy was, 
was good, but the best thing probably about Jimmy was was Jimmy Nickel. Yeah, me. and Jimmy Nickel was fantastic. He had, he had Jimmy Nickel, and he brought Sandy Clark in as well as his assistants. And for me, Jimmy Nickel was the the one. Yeah, I've always heard, I've always heard that Jimmy Nickel was a great coach. Aye, brilliant at players. You know, just his tempo he would get out in training. You know, yeah. he really was something desperate to do well for. He wanted to impress him and everything he'd done in training and he was good to talk to. He was a good buffer. Um, Jimmy Calder was slightly more distant from you. Um, sometimes it felt, you know, if Jimmy Calder would like you, if you're one of his favourites, then you were okay. Um, but it would be hard to become one of those favourites. Yeah. Um, whereas Jimmy Nickel, you could speak to him and, mm-hmm. and ask things and you know that type of stuff, and he would give you the information you needed to to try and get into the team. So it was the, the guys come in at a difficult time. Yeah. We're always web, yeah. Um, and you know Jimmy Calder was brought in to keep us up that season. Yeah. Start well with beat Celtic my first East first that's game. Right, yeah, that's right. The game. Yeah. Uh, I think we won the next two after that as mm-hmm. well. Perhaps we were flying. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a weird, weird season, and I can I can always remember it. It's obviously the, the worst season I've had at the club, and it was right. certainly the most nerve-wracking. And it, we would play a game on the Saturday, and we would win, and about immediately checking right who's Falkirk got on. Yeah, and I'm like, I can't believe it. Falkirk went there and they've won, or you know, your thing. They just go to go to hell. You know that way. It was a real worrying time, um, and invariably it, it landed. You know, it came to that final game mm-hmm. of the season. Mm-hmm. You needed a draw in the last day to stay up, and you scored it. Like, how relieving was it just to stay up? Oh, a major relief. A major relief. If you just take you back one game, we went up to Pataudry, mm-hmm. um, and it was so neck and neck. Yeah, and that is an example of what I'm talking about. We went up to Pataudry and managed to beat Aberdeen two one. Mm-hmm. Um, big Kev scored the winner. Graham Owens went down the wing and chipped it into the back post for Big Kev to score, and it was such a relief. Um, and then checking the Falkirk score after that, and they had won as well. And you're like, and they my God, you know that way. How does that happen? Because we had won that game and they had hadn't. They'd have lost it after they had that point. But anyway, into the last game and it was horrible. Um, I was on the bench as well. So again, Jimmy Calder, I played the first few games for him and then I was bumped out of the team and he never spoke to me. And Again, I spoke to Jimmy Nicol a couple of times about it and I felt it was unfair and blah, blah, blah. But... You know, it was such a tense situation at those points. We went in a bad run. We yeah. started to games for five or six games, you know, and then it came down to the Falkirk game, so I wasn't involved. And that was probably one of the most horrible things about it, that I was sitting in the bench watching the guys play. And, you know, I'm, when I was a player watching games, I was never really nervous. Right. But that day, I was really nervous because I knew what it meant. Um, I knew what it meant for myself and the girls too. I was out of contract that season. Yeah. I've been at the club for so long. We've been in the top division. Um, you know, since we'd, we'd up, um, I knew that if we get relegated, the youth system, office staff, all these people could have lost their jobs. Yeah. Do you think that um, saved the club? Sorry? Do you think that saved the club? Like, oh, aye. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Um, look what happened to Falker. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That that could have been that could have been our pathway. It really could have. You know, I don't know. I don't know because 
don't know all the ins and outs, but that could easily have been us and we are Falkirk. Um, just that one game and mm-hmm. it was a horrible game. You know, I remember it was Ryan Flynn, Ryan Flynn, you call him? Yeah. Centre midfield. Yeah. Last five minutes inside the box and he's blazed one over the bar. He should have scored. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's a sliding doors moment, that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, it's so different for the club. Um, but thankfully, we got away with it and, you know, we can... We've got better since then, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you did you you obviously signed a new contract, but you get the, the biggest honour of your career probably was probably your testimonial. Like just talk us through the memories of that. Yeah, again, um that was amazing. You know, the new season again it was such a strange close season as well because Jimmy Calder had kept us up. I think Michael Johnson had offered them a contract, but I never really felt as if he actually wanted Jimmy Calderwood to take the job. Right. That sounds yeah. not strange. I it felt as if I heard whispers that he'd offered my contract, but it was money-wise and everything, and who he was allowing him to be the assistant, etc. He was cutting and things like that. So Jimmy would probably, was never going to take it. Yeah. Uh, that probably suited suited Michael, and you know, we ended up with Max suit. And during the summer, to be fair to Michael, I spoke to him. He says, he listen, we're working on a new manager. As soon as we know, you know, we'll give you that information in regards to contracts and stuff. And then he says, right, you know, we're going to keep you on and offer you, you know, another contract. And, you know, thank them for that. Because at that point, he could have, could have been, you know, out the door. But Definitely. obviously, consulted with that and was keen. Hadn't obviously seen me or anything, but was yeah. keen for me still to be at the club. So... That kind of took care of that, and then obviously the testimonial came around as well. And yeah, it was it was very humbling mm-hmm. to be honest. Probably the best way to describe it: the testimonial committee that that were created, um, a group of fantastic people. Um, with Dan Clark from the club, who was a sort of club liaison, was friends of myself that took on roles like Stuart Murphy, who kind of ran the committee, and yeah. Franny and my agent and Colin Mack, all these other guys became part of the committee and just did a power of work um, that whole season and I, I couldn't thank them enough. They were amazing and I it was it was crazy because you know I remember going to a, I think it was my dinner at the the Park Hotel. Mm-hmm. It was organised and my wife dropped me off and. She was in tears as I was going to the and I'm like, what are you crying about? And she was just like, look at all these people just coming to see you. <laughs> she, that, you know, she was she was overwhelmed and I was as well. Um, it was it was it was great. Um, it was a lovely time and again some fantastic memories mm-hmm. from that year. Mm-hmm. Side of things. Brilliant. And obviously Max who comes in and there's a massive turnaround in players, but one player he brings in was Alexei Eremenko. Is he one of the best players you've played with? Aye, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. I actually got asked this question at the weekend's game, kind of who was better, Durant or Eremenko, and I could, I could barely, couldn't really separate them, you know. Um, but uh, Alexei, eyes in the back of the head, frightening with the ball at his feet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely frightening. Takes it with one or two players under, under pressure. Oh, he was just, he was a real joy to, to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even while you're on pitch, and you're watching him for the sidelines, he was his vision was incredible, incredible. Mm-hmm. And Maxu obviously does really well. It's a really good start under Maxu, and obviously 
you know, when a manager like a, a club like Kilmarnock, when they do well, as we've seen with Steve Clark, like they get offers for other other teams. But Finland, the Finland job comes up for Maxu. Like, were you gutted when he left? And just what were your overall thoughts on Maxu when he came in? I Maxu was fantastic, and I, I think I've said it. You know, bringing the style of play that he brought in. Yeah. Uh, you know, and all managers are, are different, and but he was really focused on his playing to the back, yeah, um, playing through the thirds, or playing up balls into strikers' feet, etc. Um, and he was the best I've ever had about how to show that to the players. Yeah. It sounds really you think how how hard can it be really? You know, you should have a group of intelligent players that can understand these things. But it was just to be nuggets of information that he gave and. No, I was. I wouldn't say his training was the greatest, but yeah. see if you were in, it was brilliant. Because see if you would probably know the Tuesday if you were playing on Saturday, yeah. and everything geared towards right. You know, it's it's out to the fullback. It's you know, goalkeeper wanting you to ping the ball to the fullback. Want you to head inside. You should be able to play a blind pass around the corner because I expect the striker to be in that position. If you're not yeah. in that position. I'm not going to shout at the midfielder, I'm going to shout at you, Conor Salmon, for instance. So you've really, really instructive in how we played out. Um, it was brilliant. It was great to play in it. It was so enjoyable. You, you honestly thought you were playing um, FIFA. You know, right. it was, you know, oh, play in here, get on the half turn, thread a pass through inside their fullback for the, our fullback to be bombing on and all these different types of things. It was great fun. Um, and defensively, what on things as well. Yeah, it was really keen on. Again, I remember having a conversation with him at one point because even at home, he wanted us to sit off the play. Mm -hmm. So I just went back four to get forty yards for the goal. Midfielders, I want to use ten yards in front of them. At that point, two number tens would be like Mehdi Taul and and Eremenko, and Big Salmon would be up front. Yeah, and he says. That's how I want you to be. He says, Alexa, I, Mehdi, you guys, see if their fullbacks drive over the, the halfway line, don't follow them. He says, one of the three midfielders will come across and just, you know, shift across. And it was very really instructive how he wanted to do it defensively as well. Yeah. And we just the teams in the counter attack because you would pop the ball up to, to Alexa or you'd pop it up to Mehdi Tool or Ray Miguel played, or you, yeah. and you had Big Sack who was lightning quick. Yeah, and you had at that time you had Ben Gordon and B. Jamie Hamill mm -hmm. playing as fullbacks, who again yeah. could pitch really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and we used to use kill teams in the counter attack, mm -hmm. even at home. Yeah, um, it was all obviously Max's and Kenny Shields' thoughts in the game and you know, how to go and do how to go and do that. So uh, it was it was fantastic. I would say I didn't play that much under Maxu. Yeah, again he come in. And I played a couple of times at left back, but then he had a conversation with me. He says, Listen, he says, see, for me, he says, you could go and play in midfield, no problem at all. He says, right. So at that time, I think we had Pascal playing midfield quite often. We had Wee Bryso mm -hmm. and Craig Bryson and yeah. Kelly. Mm -hmm. So he said, Listen, they guys are in there. He says, But hopefully, you'll get opportunity soon. Um, you get young Ben Gordon, who's got the speed to put him down as a back that you don't really quite have. So he's really nice. I mean, I'd be with that. Um, 
and so I didn't play that much under him, but the games I did play, I thoroughly enjoyed. And then when Kenny came in, I probably get more game time then. Yeah. Um, I was it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It was a joy to play on. To yeah. be fair, and really did reap rewards. I think we went on a massive run of games where we played undefeated. I remember he's going up to Mirren. January time, it was at Christmas time, and you know, the stand was packed to Kelly fans, and I think we beat them 3 0 as well. And it was mm. just, I some of the performances, and Alexa was incredible that season for us. So, obviously, when Mitchell leaves and Kenny Kenny comes in, like, were, you, were you surprised that Kenny got promoted to the, the manager's job? No, I, I wasn't surprised at all. I think it was a sort of natural progression. Yeah. Uh, Kenny had come in as Mixo's assistant. Mixo was looking for an assistant, and I think the chairman had asked if anybody in mind. And I think him and Kenny had spoken a couple of times about the game and the thoughts in the game, and they had similar thoughts on how they wanted yeah. to be played. Um, and Kenny came in as Mixo's assistant, and again, it was, as I said, it was a natural progression for Kenny to get that opportunity, and he deserved that opportunity. In fairness, mm-hmm. brilliant. You finished fifth last season, but uh, you were kind of you were getting to the. Uh, 34, how did you feel like physically? Did you feel as if you were still fat? Like you were, your fitness was good? I felt good. Um, again, I, I felt like I knew at least a life and that getting to play in the middle of the park where I hadn't played for a number of years. And don't make really, the very odd time I had played in left midfield for a Jim Vefty's team or, or Bobby as well. But um, the way Kenny and actually wanted to play, it was like a sort of three man midfield they went with most of the time, and I loved it. Absolutely love playing in there and fitness wise, I felt absolutely fine and I felt strong and I felt good to be fair at that point. In the season after 11 12, another big influx of players like how how good was Kenny Shields? Like, how who did he kind of bring in that, that done well there? Uh, I can't remember if Kenny brought Dean in or not. Um, Paul Heffernan, yeah, as well, another good player. Um, Big Michael Nelson, great character, um, good centre back. Gary Harkins, another one, you know, on his day, an absolute match winner. Chief mm-hmm. is, um, great footballer. Um, so I, you know, Kenny, it, it was mad at that time between Mixu and Kenny. To be fair, the the number of players that we mm-hmm. came in and tried, I've never seen anything like right. it. It got to the point. I used to drive one of the cars and I would take the boys up. So by that point, it would be like me, Pasca, Rory McKenzie, um, God, a couple of other boys, Jamie Hamill, etc. We'd travel up in a car together. But it actually got to a point where Mixu and Kenny like that. And I would speak to Kirsten uh, Callahan at the time, who was at the club secretary. And with that many people in trial, that I was driving the minibus up to training, <laughs> taking 16 players. So I was in the minibus along with another 11 boys or whatever, you know, in yeah. this minibus up to training in Glasgow. And I was driving the minibus every day up to training because I was always, I was a bit older. I had obviously licenses, I was allowed to do that, etc. Yeah. I was taking all this group of players up to training. And it was sometimes the minibus was so full that Pascal would have to take his car and take a couple of the boys <laughs> up. It was mental, honestly, absolutely mental. I remember... We played a game, or we didn't play a game. Kenny had brought that many players up in trial. There was enough to field an 11 aside game against Patrick Thistle at the training ground, plus three subs. And it was all trialists. 
That's crazy. Everyone was a trialist. I'm thinking, how hard is that for the guys? Aye. To play a trial game with other trialists. It's not as exactly. if you're dropping one or two into a team that each other are all about. Exactly. And then you get a so, really difficult for them to assess players in that environment, I would presume. Um, but Fairness managed to get one or two gems out of it. Yeah. Um, what it helped the cause. Mm-hmm. I've heard that I've spoke to Marco. Marco's been on the show. He was playing for Aid at the time and he talks about the cup semi final against Kelly. What was what was your thoughts going into the game? Like for the Comala end, but like how did you were you as confident as we'd win? I was confident that we could win. Yeah, but really worried and nervous that we wouldn't, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was confident. We're a better team with the capabilities. Um, we're playing good football. The results in the league could be a wee bit, you know, we'd be brilliant one week and then we'd be, you know, horrific the next week. So that's always a worry. But I felt as if if we played to our best, then we will win this game. Yeah. Um, and on the day, it worked out in the end in that way. But on the day, it was it was tough. It was a nerve wracking game because yeah. in my head I was thinking we cannot get beat. For me, the semi-final a major cup we just cannot cannot happen. Um, I'll just never live it down. <laughs> well, they they certainly wouldn't let you forget that. Um, so it was so important, and for me, I'm like, this is this is the cup final, you know, and that's spoke about a lot, guys. We don't lose this game; it yeah. can't happen. Unacceptable. Um, and to be fair, we played. Air played in our hands that day because they really. I get it from Brian Reid's point of view about trying to maybe be a bit more defensive. Yeah. But we weren't the, you know, we were in the Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know, they made us look like Brazil by sitting off the game so much and no threat. You know, it really yeah. was like what, you know, Barcelona play against a team where the two centre-backs are right in their half and all these different things. That's yeah. what the game was. It was like big Michael Nelson and... Was it big Sissoko, perhaps, a big, um, who else is centre back would have been? You know, they were in, they were in, we were in the United's half for pretty much most uh, of the yeah. game. Yeah. It was absolutely bonkers, and I've never been so tired for having so much of the ball in a game. You know, I ended up going off in the, at the end of the first period of extra time because I just had cramped up in both my, my calves. Yeah. I barely move. Um, and I said to Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, I'm done, I can't move. Um, but I, it was it was such a weird game because we, we absolutely pounded their goal and you know, they des- defended so resolutely. Their goalkeeper had a fantastic game yeah, that day. And it, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So the relief when Dino scored that goal was, you know, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was a great result. Mm-hmm. Just move on to the final. I just want to touch on it before we get into it. Like, what was the thoughts going into the game? Like, obviously playing against Celtic, like. Obviously, he's going in as massive underdogs, but what was what was the thoughts going into the game? Obviously, you'd been there and done it in the cup before, like you'd, you'd been there in the two cups, two cup finals, sorry, and no one them. So, what was what was the thoughts going into this one? Personally, it was thinking last chance saloon certainly for me because in the law of averages, you know, I wasn't going to be still playing when Kelly hit to the next major cup final. So for me, it was again for that own. Personal goal of mine, I was just desperate to win. I really yeah. was. I was under no illusions that, you know, it was going to be harder than the first cup final we had played or in the second cup final we had managed to play in. This was going to be harder because 
Celtic were going for the treble. Aye. As well, and you know, everybody was saying, you know, they'll win it um, at a scoosh. Um, so everything was against us in that, that sense. But again, Kenny, Kenny being Kenny, we loved, you know, a wee quote for the press, etc. And all these things was just, he says, listen, lads, he's told us, listen, lads, he says, I'm going to talk up Celtic for fun with the press. He says, but it's a load of shite. He says, I'm telling you, he says, we're going to win it. He says, we've got to believe to achieve. And that was his man, believe to achieve. That was, I, heard, I heard that a million times over the <laughs> game. Um, he says, I'm going to speak to the press. I'm going to be talking about Celtic going for the treble, how much they deserve it, you know, how much, you know, blah, blah, all this type of things. And, and that's, that's what he done. He spoke about Celtic and how good they were. And, Blah blah blah, but secretly to us, he's saying, you know, we'll do this. And, yeah. You know, preparation for that game mm-hmm. and was totally fair. And you get into the game, obviously, like, and I would say I, I I watched the game back the other day just in preparation for this. But both teams had big big chances to win it. Like I would say Celtic probably had big chances. So did Kilmarnock. But the the guy that scores, do you ever did you ever think he would be the the hero? I mad. Mad big DVT, um, <laughs> lovely big guy to be fair. Um, again, enjoyed his, enjoyed his time over here. And you just don't know, you know, and that's that's sort of a striker's role, wasn't it? It's, yeah, you know, I would just tell you it's probably going to be a striker that will become a hero for you that day. Um, and he was just in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, I it was. Who were your thoughts special. in the game? Who were your kind of thoughts, thoughts during the game? Like, was it just talking through that? First 30, 30 seconds, I was thinking about trying to throttle Big Sissoko, but it was too big for me. So <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but basically to kick off, Big Momo tried to pass the ball to the left across aye. the big and Gary Hooper cut that's it out. Right, aye, that's right, I remember that. And, you know, Cammy came out and made the first of his many wonder saves that day. So at that point, I was ready to throttle Big Momo because I'd spoken before the game about being switched on because the big man was... He was so laid back. Um, he used to drink Red Bull before a game. He used to have a couple of cans of Red Bull to wake himself <laughs> up. And then the physio would go mental with him. He said, you shouldn't be drinking that. He said, that'll give you cramp because it's got so much caffeine in it as well. And that's invariably what I liked him all that day. Camp that's right. Off, but, um, I could have killed him that first 30 seconds. But then again, we just played we played our way into the game. And I think you're spot on. Celtic had some Really good chances. Yeah. Um, Tammy had some unbelievable saves. One he had was world class. Really mm-hmm. was a world yeah. Save. And but we had chances. We definitely did. Um, and as longer the game goes on, you know, it's a knife edge. You know, if Celtic scored the first goal, they probably go in and win two or three nil. Yeah. You know, but you know, we we held on, created chances. We're always a threat that game. Um, and you know, we got Lady Luck on our side that day for sure that managed to take us over the edge and and finally lift the trophy. Mm-hmm. Just two players I want to touch on. Also, I want to touch on Van Tornhout, just how like just he's scoring that goal. But Cammy Bell, I don't think he gets any gets enough credit for how good a goalkeeper he was. But that day was unbelievable. Just his yeah, many uh, saves he made. It was unbelievable that day. I think it's fair to say if you speak to any Kilmarnock fan about Cammy Bell, then they'll tell yeah. you he's a hero. Um, Cammy was a, a brilliant goalie. Um, 
for me, was probably this. My time at Kelly was probably I'd probably just make him second place behind Big Gordon Marshall. But right. I don't think that a slight on him and just Marshall me because I was younger coming through with Marshall. And I looked up to him and he was was a great mentor when I was coming through. Um, but Cammy, what a goalkeeper! Yeah, what a goalkeeper. size and stature. He's not the biggest, but he's spring and he's bravery. Yeah. Um, Incredible, um, and again, Cammy has had a great career, still playing now, obviously. Yeah, um, that day is the single best performance I've been involved in. We are a goalkeeper pitch with me, it's outstanding. But just like that, Van Tornhout scores a winning goal in the full time whistle goes. Just talk us through how you felt, just talk us through when the goal went in for the goal went into the full time whistle, just for it was going through your head from when the goal went in. Um, actually, I dropped to my knees when the goal when uh, Dieter scored the goal. I dropped my knees for you know a couple of seconds. I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes, and then obviously I went and, and kind of joined in the celebrations. And I remember down in the corner, you know, Dino's like, ah, "Don't stop playing, don't stop." And I'm like, "You know, f that." I said, <laughs> "Behind the ball, we will just defend." <laughs> five minutes, seven minutes to defend. I'm not going anywhere. Anytime the ball comes to me, I'm just booting it. You know, it's kind of one of the things. Um, and I, it was, it was the longest, longest time ever. And it was the same moment. Ended up going off at that point as well, and brought big uh, Crocker on, uh, the big man, and he came on the centre back. And I think at that time, God, that's worrying. Making a centre back change normally, another centre back on, but you're making a change like for like almost. So you're a wee bit worried. No, they don't get up to the speed of the game, but you know, we got away with it and you know, we ended up Anthony Stokes was through and goal at one point. And no, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, if you ask me to this day, I'm still not sure if it's a penalty or not, who knows? But you know, nah. thankfully Billy Collins didn't give that one. <laughs> that was more fortunate in that sense. And you know, when the full time whistle goes again, it's just uh, it was just amazing. It really was that full-time whistle just to finally achieve what I wanted. I mean, a young boy from, from New Farm was always yeah. supported to finally get that chance not to lift a trophy for the club, knowing how much it means to everybody at the club, as well as obviously the fans that are out there. Um, it, was, it was a special, real special moment um, being able to do that. and It was, it was time and by at the end of the whistle, obviously, after... 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, we realised that, you know, Liam Kelly's father had yeah. taken the worst and it certainly tempered things for us because mm-hmm. we weren't sure what had happened and it was heartbreaking for Liam. Yeah. Um, but you can't take away that feeling right at the final whistle and the celebrations with the fans for those mm-hmm. short space of time. There was fans in the crowd that I knew for, for yes. many years and, you know, get yeah. to see their faces, you know, you, you just... You can't imagine how nice that feels to think oh, that's, that's us that's put that smile on their face. It's, it's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like, is that the, was that the pinnacle of your career, like that will never be topped, or ever? Wait. No, I don't that think moment. so. So I think it's like, you know, again, it's hard to to say it's the only cup of one for the team. Yeah. Uh, with the team. So, Maybe a player who's won, you know, Scott Brown, for instance, he might say the last one's the best feeling. Yeah. Um, but I would, 
I would suspect that maybe the first time that you do it is, you know, it's probably the greatest feeling when you when you lift that cup. Um, and it was, it was, I it was definitely the pinnacle for for myself. Uh, you know, for the club and at that time, the brilliant peak, brilliant. Obviously, like, I just want to touch on after that. Like, you extend your contract for another season. Like, did you know that would be your last season with the club? I didn't know. Um, again, I signed another year's contract. Again, I was at 34, 35, so that was totally understandable. At that point, I still felt as if I was fitness-wise, I was going to be fine. Um, we did at that point. We were doing university tests, so the VO two max test, and yeah. running test. Out of all the players, I was right. I was in the top eight players in regards to those fitness levels that were required. So I didn't have any worries about that. But then I had a niggling knee, right. knee injury, um, at the start of the season, right at the start, and which required surgery. Um, and undoubtedly for me, that's what probably cost me leaving Kamarnock at that time in my opinion was I didn't do a pre-season I was out for about 14 weeks and mm-hmm. um, I had to get something to do with my patella and I had to get a bit shaved off my patella because it was rubbing against the side and what have you um, so I had to get that fixed and I was out for 14 weeks didn't do a pre-season came back and I just didn't get up to speed in regards to the fitness levels that was yeah. running um, and it doesn't matter how much running that you do with the physio you know, he, missing pre-season for me is a huge, definitely was, um, and I just didn't get up to speed after that. Um, I spoke to Kenny obviously that season a lot, um, near particularly near the end, and he says, "Listen, says I still feel you've still got a part to play. I know you've not played much this season, but." For me, you've still got a part to play. He says, next season, I want you still here. Mm-hmm. He says, I want you to sign as a player, but also want to bring you on board in the coaching side of things. Yeah. That's, he says, register your player, you'll do the pre-season, everything else like that. We review that you'll come in and help Jimmy and I um, in the kind of coaching side of things. And, you know, that was sort of music for me years, to be honest, because that was mm-hmm. obviously thinking about that when I was around 29, 30, about you know, what happens next. Yeah. Um, but then I could sort of quickly see near the end of the season that probably Kenny's time was coming right. to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kenny was massive on the youth side of things. Mm-hmm. And we were still going for the top six, but what he was kind of wanting to do, he was wanting to bleed some of the younger boys into the team. Yeah. Even though we're fighting for that top six position, we'd want to go for it obviously and get it because he knew what it meant to the club and what have you. But he was also conscious that he wanted. We had young Robbie Muirhead, we had uh, Greg Kilty. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Robbie was slightly older. I think Greg was 16 at the time when he was in yeah. training with. And I remember having a conversation with him, and he says, he "says I want to get these boys some game time before the end of the season." He says because I want them for next season to be part of the first team squad and want to build a team behind the team. Yeah. Almost, uh, you know, blending in these young players. And he was really big on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it probably that and he had a few run-ins with the Scottish FA disciplinary committee, etc. or maybe some comments he'd made that I think, I don't know if Michael just kind of get fed up with it all mm-hmm. eventually. 
and unfortunately he lost his job. So I felt it was a, certainly a shame in that sense because I could see what he was trying to do with the young players. Yeah. And if you're ahead of the academy and you've got these young players who are all desperate to get the ball in the first team, that's music to your ears when I'm a manager. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. You know? Um, so that was a kind of tough one. Um, but we'll never know mm-hmm. what would have happened. You know, that's then they get sacked and then, you know, I was... I was not required after that, so that, that's football, that's life. It was hard because I didn't, even till up to the end of the season, I was still hopeful I'd, I would be there the next year. So, yeah, and getting to say a real sort of farewell to the fans, but you know, that's that's a kind of small thing anyway. It's it would have been nice, but hey ho. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you played your last game against Marin, but that kind of that was the last game in 14, a 14 year spell at Comama. Just sum it up, just what it was like, just playing for the club you loved. It was a privilege. It really was. It was. I loved. You know, I always remember going to all the stadiums to watch the first team players play. You know, up at Brecon, up at Morton, all these places, and just it's something that I wanted to do. So to get that opportunity for, for so long um, was a real privilege. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, tremendous. Obviously, after that though, you move. You you leave Kilmarnock and you you got offered. Was it Oldham that offered you a job? They offered, was it to be a player? Yeah, Lee Johnson. Who had, aye, again, Lee Johnson, who had played with at uh, Kelly. Um, John had been given the, got the Oldham job and he'd phoned me up um, and he knew I was um, in Kilmarnock and he just says, fancy coming in. He says, again, I'll register as a player, he says, but I want to bring you in as a coach because, again, Lee and I used to talk quite a bit um, at training about the game and how we've seen it played and we'd even I would go out with them in the afternoon sometimes and we would take some of the young the young lads out like Tony McKenzie out a couple of times and Willie Grow and these boys and we'd do yeah. a wee bit with um says so want you to come down and you know we'll get a chat. So I've been down and seen him and it was it was just a difficult time, family time at that point. Um, my wife had just kind of started a new business. Mm-hmm. So there was no way that we were moving. Yeah. You know, stock and barrel. You know, it was myself, her, and my young boy at that point. So we were always going to be staying in Kelly. Thoughts were that I would maybe go down there and we would do a bit of commuting. I would do some commuting. But again, I went down there, spoke to John O, met the chairman. And, you know, for a club side, they were great. And John O was great. And, um, my heart was telling me to, to take it because yeah. I was thinking I'll probably not get another opportunity to yeah. get into the coaching side of the game because you you know you're quickly forgotten in the professional game. Um, but I was also thinking in my head, I'm thinking if I go down here and I'm down here most of the week and I'm not seeing my family, I'm just not going to be able to do it. Right. I just I wouldn't be fully focused on the job. I needed my family with me, and it just wasn't going to be possible. So unfortunately, you know, I turned it down um, because it just it just wasn't right for us as a family, and they regret it sometimes in the sense that you know I remember you know obviously John went on to manage Barnsley and then he was taking Bristol City and then I'm watching the telly and he's playing Liverpool at Anfield and Aye. Liverpool's my other team and I'm thinking thinking oh yeah bandit dug out now. Um, while we're you know we're playing Liverpool, um, but you know that's that's life, and you know 
I don't really regret it, but it's again, it's one of those sliding door moments to look what might have been. Um, and there's not to say I could have went to Oldham because Lee had left Oldham and I don't actually think he took any assistance with him. He got a new assistant when he went to yeah, Barnsley. Yeah. Um, so again, there's no saying it would have taken me with him anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's, again, no real regrets. It's just, you just got to move on. Mm-hmm. You do move on though, you go to Airdrie. Like, who signed you and like, what was the, what was the kind of reason for going there? Like, how... How did that come about? It was Jimmy Boyle, because obviously in the, again in the summer there, I was sitting thinking, right, what am I going to do? Um, I had, while I was still playing, I had went and done my, my B licence and my A licence, so I had completed them. So in a football sense, I was I was fairly qualified. Um, but I was also thinking, God, what am I going to do? Um, where am I going to get a job? Um, could I still play, I felt? Yes, I could still play. I was unsure if I wanted to, to be honest, though. But then I'd spoke to Big Colin Stewart, actually, who was at Airdrie. Um, and he just listened. Spoke to Gaffer, and he's looking for a fullback. He's looking for a left-back. Um, would you fancy coming up to Airdrie, kind of thing? I said, well, can I give a phone? And I spoke to him. And just about the same time, um, a friend was leaving. His, was going to be leaving his post at the Scottish FA. And yeah. I spoke to him. Listen, I'm leaving my job, he says. This job I'm leaving would actually suit you down to the ground. Yeah. Um, I says, all right, okay. And I met him and spoke about what the job was going to be. Um, I thought, right, okay, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that and wait for it to see if it, you know, materialises that job. So I spoke to Jimmy Boyle on the phone and he says, listen, need an experienced player to come in. A lot of young boys, etc. So I went up to Adrie. Um, it was good. Jimmy was brilliant. Yeah. Um, he was right, there was a lot of young boys there, but you know, some of them were there were some decent young boys and they, big Martin Hardy was there mm-hmm. um, time as well. So at least I had somebody older than me. Um as I say, Big Colin Stewart was there as well. So again, a good a good bunch of players. Um a lot of young ones there. Yeah, there was 16, 17 that were playing in the first team and just probably needed a wee bit of help. So when I spoke to Jimmy, I'd say, listen, happy to come in and play. Um but what I will say, I said, I don't want to sign a contract for a year or something. And then I says, because there is a job coming up with the Scottish FA. I'm going to apply for it. I'm not saying I'm going to get it, but I'm going to apply for it. And if I do yeah. get it, it means I play football at professional level. He says, listen, Gary, that's fine. He says, listen, just come. We'll sign you in a contract. If you get a job, we'll just wrap it up. And, you know, everything will be hunky. Um, so that's what I end up doing. I end up playing five or six games and... In the meantime, I'd applied for the job and been it, luckily got the role. Um, so then, you know, left the professional game from there. And do you like obviously when you hang up when you hang up the boots? Is it obviously like not many not many players have the have the option of having a job after that? Like how how good big was that? Like having that kind of other option for you? Aye, it was massive. It was you know I wouldn't have quit playing if I hadn't got a, another job. As I said, I felt fitness wise that. I could have kept on playing longer. Yeah. Um, I was never, I was never super quick, so I didn't have really any pace to lose. Um, and I always kind of looked after myself as best as I could, so I wasn't carrying excess weight or all these yeah. things. It was if I could have played on, um, from a physical point of view. Um, but I think when an opportunity comes up to go into a full time post, knowing how precarious football is as a job as well, then. You know, it's just something I couldn't say no to. Um, mm-hmm. And in my head, 
thinking that I've got to do this. Yeah, I've got to do this for myself and my family. Just how, as well as that, how what's the kind of what does your kind of job involve? Like how how do you kind of think about football like at grassroots level now to when you were kind of starting out playing football? Obviously, starting out football, you're oblivious to you know what coaches doing, what they are, etc. Um, but now you're back in from the other side. Um, the grassroots game is just so vital. It's absolutely vital and. One thing that you know, all the things with COVID has taught me is how important football is in people's yeah, lives. Definitely, you know, it's yes, it's the physical and the, the mental well-being, but and the, it's all the social side of it. It's it's the routine of it that people crave as well. You know, people are used to going and watching games on a Saturday in a stadium, or they're used to going and watching their son or daughter play for the for the local grassroots team, and that's that's what. You know, COVID certainly taught me that. Aye, definitely. So many good people working in the grassroots game. And, you know, if we don't have them, if we don't have the thousands and thousands of volunteers who, they, you know, the mums, the dads, the grandpas, grandparents, you yeah. know, the uncles, etc. give up their time to go and take a wee girls team or a wee boys team, then you don't end up, you don't it's end up with close. your superstars, you don't end up Aye. with Andy Rock or an Aaron Cuthbert or, or these people definitely it's a graphic it's a feeder obviously everybody knows and so many good people you know and local community clubs now are doing more than just giving kids football Aye. you know they're feeding they're feeding the people you know the needy and you know they're doing lots of social things that are massively important to, to our society so yeah you can't for me you can't underestimate and that, that's the value of football to me is it, it brings keep communities and people together for a common cause. Brilliant. It's great to hear that. It's amazing. Are you all right close with some quite fire questions? Yeah, sure. Aye, aye. Brilliant. Out of your whole career, who would you say was the best player you ever played with? As I kind of alluded to earlier, I get asked about Durant and um, Eremenko earlier on, and I'll come to them in a minute. You know, other guys, you know, Easy. I need to mention Nazy and Boydie. Boydie's mm-hmm. the best goal scorer I've ever shared a pitch with. Yeah. Um, was an unbelievable player as well. Absolutely fantastic. Another one that I've not actually mentioned, most skillful one would be Mehdi Tao. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember Mehdi, playing yeah, well. Yeah, good, sir. I hear actually Gerard talk a lot about Ken and guys like talking about their, their numbers, mm-hmm. their stats. Numbers of goals, numbers of assists, and how they need to get that up. And I'll probably say that about Mehdi. He's by far the most skillful player mm-hmm. I've been in touch with. Some of the things he could do with the ball, you're just like, how has he done that? That is just, <laughs> actually can he really do that? It's ridiculous. He was so skillful. But probably where his game fell down was probably stats at times. He was, yeah. you know, that final final goal, etc. Kind of thing. What a player he was. But Remenko and, and Durant. Again, I've just spoke about just two amazing players. Um, Lossa, Eremenko, sorry, was just vision, creativity, second yeah. to none. Durante probably, he ran the game for a wee bit deeper mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, set the pace of games. And I would probably, if you asked me who would I want to play in a team with ever again, I would probably just edge Ian Durant purely because probably the personal relationship I had with him yeah. again as a young boy coming through. He was brilliant to, to listen to and yeah. speak to. 
name and learn things from. Um, Eremenko, great guy, obviously didn't have the same no, relationship with him. From a personal point of view, I wouldn't separate them as players, but just from a personal point of view, I would, I would side with Ian Durant. Brilliant. Best player you played against? Uh, again, again, I mentioned a lot of the Rangers and Celtic players previously, haven't we, that definitely come in that. You've got to mention... You know, the same pitch as Samuel Larson. Yeah. He will go down as certainly what one of Scottish football's ever greatest players that's played in the, our game and worldwide as well. So he was amazing. Um, probably directly playing against Aidan McGeady was tough. Was it? What a really tough opponent because he was a lot of players, wide players, they can be a wee bit more predictable. They've just got raw pace, but they're strong right-footed, so they're not so good in their left, so you could buy, try and combat that by getting them onto their left, etc. But Aidan McGeady, he wasn't a lightning quick, but he was quick, and he could either dribble, he could go right or he could go left, and he was comfortable in both feet, so he was so hard to read at times. Yeah. Um, I certainly get, I get twisted and turned with many a player over the years, but he was probably... Kind of toughest one, to be fair, and another one I speak about to one of my friends was Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's a type of player who he actually never beat you. He never dropped the shoulder on me. He just used to pass the ball by you, or he would go and drift into the middle of the pitch. I've often said, you know, playing against him, you think you've had a good game because he's not went past you once. And then at the end of the game, you've lost the game 3 0, and he scored two and set up the other one because yeah. he drifts into other positions. Right. Yeah. Um, but I probably had McGee as a, a direct opponent. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Favourite away ground? Uh, good mention for Time Castle, I think. A lot of folks say that. Many boys will like that, but for me, it'd probably be Ibrox. Mm-hmm. Just first game ever played there, um, and just the memory of that, that I feel packed Ibrox it's all enclosed as well yeah. no gap and it was like loud very loud brilliant favourite film or TV show uh, films lots of different films um, so many films over the years Shawshank Redemption all those types of films that you love obviously um, I like Christopher Nolan films mm-hmm. so he's so a Batman trilogy, yeah. and he did play uh, Inception, yeah. Interstellar, yeah, um, and I like him as a director, so I always like his films, because I don't know what it is, it's like the soundtrack mixed with the stories and yeah. everything I like, um, but they types of films, probably, it's probably more TV show that I love the most over the last few years, and certainly it would be Gamora. Right, okay. I don't know, uh, I don't know I've heard it, I've an Italian gangster um, TV series. Um, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's that's the TV series I've watched. Um, and there's a film connected to that that just came out actually a few months back called Le- Immortale, I think it is. Right. I think it means Immortal. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, in Italian it means. Uh, I love, I love Gamora. Brilliant. Uh, best friend in football. Uh, most of my best friends I would say are outside of football in fairness but I've got plenty of good friends and good pals in the game that I keep in touch with um, 
keep in touch with Paul DiGiacomo quite often. Um, I see Hoodie all the time. Yeah. Coaching at the club. Um, I keep in touch with Fow mm-hmm. um, as well, particularly now he's he's back at the club and yeah. um, those guys a lot. Um, and I'll send text to, speaking text to guys now and again, like Boydy or Maisie and mm-hmm. Manuel, keep in touch with him. Yeah. Um, so Loads of the guys over the years, because obviously I've been at the club that long, that you get to know, you know players a lot. Sometimes I forget that, like I speak to like Tim Clancy, for instance, back Aye. and forth, the manager over at Drogheda, and I won the league, actually. Um, I speak back and forth to him, and keep in touch with a boy called Sean Hesse, right. who used to play years ago, um, to down in Liverpool, what a boy he was. He was some boy. Um, so I kind of keep in touch with a lot of guys over the years, but I don't, I'm no one for phoning guys up once a week and catching up in that fashion. It's just the weird thing about, you know, I might not have seen Manuel for five years, but if I bumped into him in the street, the two of could go for a coffee and we could sit and talk for hours, you know, Aye. that type of. So yeah, as we a lot of guys. Brilliant. Last question, best manager you played under? Eh... Uh, all of the managers were good, I've got to say that. But, mm-hmm. You know, very few, likes of Jim and, and Bobby and um, Kenny were all fantastic at different stages of my career. I think I was going to say it earlier, probably the one that he enjoyed what he was trying to do in the style and learned the, the kind of tactics and everything around the game was probably Mixer, to be fair. Right. Even though we were there that short time, I said that just how he wanted to play the game at that point was just it was so enjoyable mm-hmm. so enjoyable playing that style of football um, and I really I really enjoyed him but I did every manager that I've played under had a lot of respect for brilliant um, and definitely influenced my career for sure brilliant Gary it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show mate thanks very much for doing that I really appreciate it it's been brilliant to talk well, to you thanks very much mate thanks. cheers no worries cheers bye bye